You're watching Global Trade This Week with Pete Mento and Doug Draper. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Global Trade This Week. And as you can tell from the backgrounds, Doug and I are both traveling this week. Uh, Doug, I believe you're in what can only be described as America's playground, Fresno, California. How are you, buddy? I'm good. I'm doing great. And it's not playground, it's bread basket. So, Bre- oh, uh, hey. Yeah. Love it. America. I don't know if people say it's America's bread basket or the world's bread basket. I think it's the world's bread basket because there is a lot of export going on out here of agriculture products. So we'll just Go call it. I'm in the world's bread basket. Bread basket of the world. Yeah, we're uh, we're up early uh, to accommodate schedules today. Um, I think Keenan rolled out of bed today. Um, we, we can confirm he has clothes on. Uh, so that's good. Um, he, he wasn't able to wake up early and condition his long mane of beautiful, gorgeous hair. Uh, beard's looking good, though. So thanks yeah. for that, Keenan. Yeah. Um, how often are you in Fresno, Doug? Like, is it twice a month? You're there a lot. No, one full week every month. So it's not it's not too shabby. Come out here. It's it's all right. So I like it. Fresno. You know, I have to admit, Fresno is uh, has a perspective or a perception. Hey, I grew up in Wichita, Kansas, right? So that people are like, really, Wichita? And I think people say, really, Fresno? It's actually not that bad. I mean, I enjoy it when I come out here and uh, it's it's morphing and changing. It's the only place left in California that's affordable um, to some degree. And California anywhere is not necessarily affordable, quote unquote. But um, yeah, people are coming out of the Bay Area, coming out here. People are sick of the Los Angeles area and it's uh, it's growing. It's pretty interesting how it's it's uh, morphing to say a degree, but Fresno, I'll give you a thumbs up. It's not, it's not, uh, my uh, perception has been changed. It's a glowing endorsement from, from Doug Draper, everybody. Yeah. Fresno thumbs up. From yes. Doug Draper. Yeah. So I, before, we, before we jump into it, you, you know, you, you have a, I can see a, a sprinkler system, a fire alarm, and what probably is a carbon monoxide uh, indicator there over your right shoulder. So you are obviously in a hotel room, my friend. I am. Yeah, I'm, I'm in Edison, New Jersey. Uh, after we finish recording today, I'm going to uh, jump in a, an Uber and head down to Manhattan. I'm speaking today for um, the Department of Commerce uh, on e-commerce today. So I'm giving a speech or, uh, late, late this, this morning, right around lunchtime. And then heading into our offices in beautiful Woodbridge, and I'll be here this week. Uh, next week, I am in Portland, Oregon, speaking for the FDRA um, Footwear Conference. I'm excited for that. It's one of the best conferences that I speak at all year long. I absolutely love those guys. I love my footwear people. They're one of the most complicated, heavily regulated, for whatever reason, uh, chapters in the tariff and the four people are a lot of fun. They always have really complicated, really difficult questions. So uh, then I'll be in San Diego for a customer event, going to watch the Padres play the Cardinals, two teams I absolutely do not care about. Um, so I'll probably like wear my Red Sox hat. Um, but actually, no, I'm going to wear Dodger stuff to make the Padres people. Yeah. Um, and then the, the week after that, I'll be in Jersey for a little bit and then down to Texas. So it just doesn't stop, buddy. It does not stop. Um, yeah. And then South Carolina, speaking down in Virginia, um, just living on the road, drumming up business, doing what I got to do, Doug. Yeah. 
Yeah, the modern day door to door salesman is pretty much what you and I are. Yeah, at least we don't, have to carry a, yeah, we don't have to carry a vacuum. I guess that's the only good good part of this, right? Um, well, since I kicked off the show, pal, we go with your topic first this week. So what you got, pal? Yeah, yeah. So this one is about uh, climate change and the fact that it is with a capital I and a capital S impacting the supply chain and it will continue to impact. Um, listen, Pete, the pandemic and the craziness of the pandemic was temporary and we're seeing that with uh, increased capacity and rates coming down. That was crazy, but it was temporary. Climate change is long-term and it is gonna be dire, right? Uh, I'm a believer in climate change. There's, there, it, it is happening, you, you can tell. <clears throat> Hottest global August in, on record, right? So I don't know if it's from the entire world, but as far as on record, the hottest global August ever. And, um, you know, that just means, and I'm not a, a meteorologist and not going, the point of this is not to go into the minutia of it, but that just, in my opinion, amplifies storms, bigger droughts, bigger hurricanes, bigger snowstorms, bigger everything. Just this week, there's the drought in Panama, right? So we're seeing the implications of the Panama Canal situation down there and the limited of, of, uh, of vessels moving through. That's an impact, right? Last year, I was looking around, looking at some, some research before the show. Just the opposite in the Rhine River in Europe, heavy rains, said there was too much and they had to stop shipping until things kind of uh, uh, settled down. Uh, there's a big hurricane coming and I know the news perpetuates things a little bit more than they used to, but uh, people are prepping, it's gonna be an impact. Um, there is an earthquake that just happened in Morocco. The volcano in Hawaii is starting up again. It's crazy, right? I mean, every little thing. And is it gonna impact the global supply chain? Not necessarily, but all of those things have implications across, across the country or across the world. And the one thing, Pete, that um, is indirect is the power grid and uh, the stress on the power grid. We saw that in Texas, uh, you know, your home state a couple of years ago, two summers ago how things were crazy, and then you're inserting um, uh, cars, electric vehicles, and power produces production plants and runs the automobile industry. And so th there's like this perfect storm, no pun intended, that is going to continually uh, create chaos in the supply chain. And I don't think people realize the implications. It's going to be reactive. Um, it's not, and it's going to be sustainable, and it's going to be pretty impactful. So I don't have anything specific on that to talk about, but I was just thinking that the craziness, I was on, watching the news last night, hurricanes, volcanoes, earthquakes, droughts. I mean, you could really go, uh, you know, down a wormhole and get mentally uh, depressed about this, but um, it's real, it's happening, it's going to get worse and worse and worse, and it will eventually impact us and our bottom line in um, our, our inventories, our supply chain, and our, and our uh, bottom line in our back pocket. So, um, yeah, just an overall comment on this one, Pete, but uh, the pandemic was temporary. Climate change is long-term and uh, will continue to be pretty dire. And I think we're going to see more and more instances of weather is going to really jack up the supply chain. And it, it, it's interesting and I'm a little bit nervous. So I don't know. What do you think about all that? Uh, it's a great point. And I think what really hammers it home to all of us is anyone who flies anywhere, anyone who is stuck in airports these days we've we've really spent the last year dealing with this 
double whammy of both the, the labor issues that are that are involved in flying these days, as well as those weather issues. Yesterday, I had a, a fun extra three hours in DFW Airport because of the just torrential downpours that were happening in the Northeast. Um, so there's that, right? Um, the, the airline schedules for cargo and passenger, and you always have to keep in mind that a tremendous amount of cargo moves on passenger aircraft. Mm -hmm. That's going to mess with schedules. Schedules are tight. Lots of cargo has connections. When it misses connections, it doesn't get where it needs to be on time. And that causes a lot of stress and difficulty for our clients. Also, these hurricanes, and they are massive. The ones that are in, in the Gulf right now, just you know, pop on CNN, go on Fox News, go on BBC, go on Al Jazeera, whatever your, your news outlet is. And take a look at what's going on in the Gulf right now. These are absolutely incredible storms, incredible storms. And it does affect marine traffic. It slows down sailings, it delays sailings, and it causes these vessels to go through a lot, causes damages to cargo. And it slows down cargo getting into ports. It wreaks havoc in port cities. It wreaks havoc in cargo that's waiting in ports. It causes damages to ships. And that damages to ships messes with insurance rates. It also means that these carriers that own these vessels are going to have to spend money on repairing them. It does have a trickle-down effect. And ultimately, that ends up costing our customers and the cost of what they're going to have to move these things on. Um, you can believe whatever you want to believe when it comes to uh, climate change. Um, but the reality is we continue to see the effects of the environment around us worsen, and we continue to see those impacting the supply chain. So Doug, I'm, I'm on board with you on this 100%. And uh, one way or the other, I think we have to brace ourselves for a continued impact of the ecology around us, of the environment around us, impacting the way that we move goods around the world. Yeah, the indirect consequences, you, you um, uh, touched on that topic uh, more eloquently than I did, but that is going to be the draw. That'll be the, you know, the things that you spoke about. That'll catch the headlines, not necessarily the storm that came through for a week, but man, it's going to get nuts. So Just imagine well, if, if this winter is as bad as this summer has just been. I, I just got back from Dallas, you know, and all of my friends, all the customers and, and, and potential customers that, that I met with, they were all saying, wow, you brought the cold, colder weather with you. Thanks so much. It was, you know, triple digit heat for a couple of weeks. And I'm like, it's 89 degrees. I forgot how much I hate coming down here and sweating through all my clothes. This is colder, you know. Yeah. Uh, but that's that's becoming sort of the summer reality for these southwestern states. And you've been in California a lot this summer. And when I was out there in, in Colorado with you guys, I mean, it was it was pretty darn hot um, and in, in New England. We've had, we had a, a really wet, 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 wet summer, really wet, um, uncharacteristically really wet summer, which, you know, we're happy for. But imagine if this winter is uncharacteristically cold and snowy, um, what that's going to mean for supply chains, too. That impacts our, our business just like anything else. Well, a couple old guys talking about weather. I think we checked that box today. So yeah, how, how, how's your gout, Bob? Right, that's going to be our, our next uh, our next conversation. All right, all right, man, rip it. What's your topic? So uh, you know, the auto workers have have decided in America that they're willing to strike. You talked about that a few weeks ago on the um, now instant classic Casa Bonita, Casa Bonita live show. Um, and I will never listen to the killers again. But imagine this, okay? We're, we're coming to it, bud. We're getting to the point where it just might happen. 
And um, what if these auto workers do strike? And what if after all of this pain and suffering of not being able to get cars into showrooms and getting cars where they need to be so that Americans can buy them and we're, we're just starting to feel like cars are, I don't want to say affordable again, but prices are starting to get, come down a little bit and used cars are maybe being available again. We slow down production and we stop making cars. Think about that, man, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, well, that's scary enough. Well, think about our industry. Automotive companies and the companies that feed them parts spend billions of dollars on transportation. Billions. They're a, they're a major vertical for what it is that we do for a living. They take up a lot of space on ships and planes and trucks and, and trains, courier services. They are a major lifeline for the profit that moves the needle for our shareholders. And whether it's a day or a week or a month or a quarter, it is going to have an impact on our business. Mm -hmm. So are they going to strike? I don't know. Will they come to some sort of agreement before it happens? Again, I don't know. But I will tell you this. If it does happen, it will have an impact on our business, pal. Uh, and it won't be a positive one at all. Uh, and that's a piece of this I don't think um, I'm hearing a lot about in the press. Well, it's it's uh, the third big one, right? Well, I guess the fourth big one this year. You got the uh, longshoreman that worked out. Yellow that did not work out. Uh, UPS that worked out. So uh, you're right. Of, of all of them, this is uh, this is the big boy. I mean, UPS and longshoreman are are are, uh, are big and important. But yeah, it's it, I don't know. Even a day, right? So you know that there's contingency plans being developed left and right, which cost money. To be positioned, um, and, and it certainly will be interesting. So, not not to uh, diminish this topic, but one thing I found out yesterday is that uh, Jim Farley, the CEO of Ford, who is the cousin of Chris Farley, I, I don't know if you knew that or not. Awesome. <laughs> so I think awesome. The news. I'm like, is that Chris Farley? I mean, pull them up side by side. They they you can tell they're related. So ha has nothing to do with anything on this topic, but I thought that was uh, was interesting and wanted to call it out. But yeah, it's uh, it's pretty crazy. It, we'll, we'll see how that shakes out. But like we said on many, many episodes, Pete, this is uh, the year of labor. And um, there's been a lot of things that have transpired, some good, some bad. You're going to make me say it. If, if we get a strike, we're all going to be living in a van down by the river and we're not going to have parts to get it running. Yeah, yeah, I can. It just, <laughs> like, it just lends itself to the humor, man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, good. All right. Well, we're, uh, what is this, uh, halftime? Uh, it's brought to us and our audience by Cap Logistics. Uh, Keenan that's pushing the buttons uh, is with Cap Logistics. They do a great job for the show. They do a great job for their clients. So please visit caplogistics.com. All right, Pete, you want to go first? You want me to talk about stuff? You, you tell me. You can go first. You can do halftime first. Hit it, man. All right. Good, good, good. So uh, some of you may have heard about this. We talked a few minutes before the show, but um, there are billionaires in California that have decided to build a city um, that's gonna solve all the world's problems, right? So um, I think that there are uh, a bunch of tech guys that crushed it, uh, folks from LinkedIn, I think the CEO and founder of Stripe and a whole long list of, of uh, tech companies that you and I use every single day in our lives are all coming together to build a city in uh, Solano, S-O-L-A-N-O -O County which is basically some farmland uh, in Northern California. 
not northern northern, but uh, just outside of San Francisco. And uh, their pitch is good paying jobs, uh, sustainable infrastructure, affordable housing, clean energy, uh, healthy environment, all that kind of stuff. And so that's kind of splashed the page. I, I don't know if it's hype or if it's serious, but to take a piece of land and turn it into a functioning city uh, and all of the uh, regulations and things need to go through with that. It's a great storyline, Pete. I think it draws a lot of attention, but this is decades in the making. I My house that I own was in a redeveloped area, the DIA airport, Denver International Airport. And it took a long time to get that up and running. And there was um, you know, some existing infrastructure there. So I don't know. I thought it was kind of cool. It's splashing the headlines. I don't know if you guys have heard about it or not, but it's a billionaire city on farmland in California. It's going to solve all the all the world's problems and 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 set the marker uh, for uh, communities in the future. I'm I'm doing deep breathing exercises. I I hello Bueller Bueller. <laughs> the last thing that the world needs is a bunch of self-important billionaires telling us how to live. Just mm -hmm. save it, save it. Okay. Um, I think, uh, I would prefer to have a bunch of farmers or a bunch of, I, I don't, Doug, I'm, I am so the words I I'm, I'm, I'm stopping myself right now from saying the things I really want to say, because I don't want the people at cap logistics to stop letting us have this show. Um, the, I'm sure their intentions are good, but there's some way they're going to monetize this. There's some way they're going to, um, use judicial outreach to show how great this is and try to force other people to live in a way that they think is best. And I don't like the idea of people who went to the right schools and have the right social influence telling other people how they ought to live their lives. I'm just not okay with it. Mm -hmm. How about I leave it there? Yeah. Well, live free or die. Live free or die, baby. Live free or die. Okay, my, mine is lighthearted, Doug, uh, in a way. So there was a um, an editorial piece, I think it was in the New York Times, saying that Martin Short was not funny. Did you read about this? No, I haven't seen it. No. So some, some knucklehead uh, wrote an article saying that Martin Short is not and never was funny. Martin Short of SCTV fame, Martin Short of, I, I mean, possibly, I mean, he's he's in the pantheon of of one of the, the great comedians, one of the, the great comedic actors. Um, he is currently on um, Only Murders in the Building, which is, if you have not been watching it, it is a brilliant television show. Um, he is fantastic. He and Martin, uh, he and um, uh, Steve Martin had done a Broadway show together, which was brilliant. He is a, he's done so many characters on TV for people that are in generation X. A lot of the things that we consumed as young people, Jimmy Glick, uh, you know, he, he's, he's hysterical. So this, this, this putting headed moron writes this thing and he must've been doing it as just to get attention to himself. What followed in the wake of this was beautiful. And that's what I wanted to talk about today. The topic trends on Twitter and everyone comes to his defense. Everyone. 
Steve Martin starts where he he writes down just a simple tweet about how brilliantly funny he is. And then every comedian you can possibly think of comes to Martin Short's defense. It was magnificent, Doug. The people that wrote about him. Um, so I, I guess Martin Short walked into Steve Martin's house and said he saw Picasso's on the wall and, and all these other famous paintings and said, wow, I don't know where you got all this money, um, uh, Steve, because I've seen your work and you're just not very good. You know, I'm just the, the, the hilarious things that he said about him. Uh, critics are always going to be there, right? Everyone's a critic. And I, I get that. But what's beautiful is to see other artists come out and really defend a guy like Martin Short. Martin Short's hysterical. Mm -hmm. He's really, really funny. And um, yeah, this is one instance where just the toxicity of social media, the toxicity of journalism, the Internet, you got the right to say whatever you want but in a very funny way, not in a mean way toward the actual editorial writer. Uh, they didn't really, people didn't really drag this guy through the mud. They just came out and defended Martin Short and it was awesome. So everybody out there, if you don't know who Martin Short is and you haven't really been familiar with his work, please do watch Only Murders in the Building. It's his modern stuff. And uh, absolutely check out the old Jiminy Glick stuff. Watch SCTV. It's an old Canadian show that was somewhat like Saturday Night Live. Um, just more slapsticky and funny with, you know, the Kenzie brothers were on it. If you don't know who they are, definitely check them out. But, uh, here's to Martin Short. The guy's an absolute legend. Yeah. Agreed. He's like a physical comedian, right? And Oh yeah. Oh, guy got abused himself. <clears throat> yeah. And, uh, yeah, I'm glad that you spoke up on behalf and that show, uh, only murders in the building is a good one. It's a good one. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's really fantastic. Yeah. And Selena Gomez, who I, I really didn't know much about, right? I never, she's, she does a fantastic job on that show, kind of being a serious foil to those two who are just very, very funny and play. They're sort of like us, Doug. They're just two old guys that they, they don't realize how positively old they really are sometimes with the things that they say. Um, right. So um, it's, it's a very, very good show. It's a very good show. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Doug. All uh, right. Thanks again to Cap Logistics for all they do for us. Check them out at uh, caplogistics.com. And Doug, what do you got for your second one, bud? All right. So this one hit the news uh, about a week ago, and it's a, a partnership with Apple, right, who actually is uh, rolling out the uh, iPhone 15 uh, today, I think. Um, maybe tomorrow, but I think it is today. Um, they've partnered up with a uh, chip Man, not a manufacturer, a chip architect, architect called ARM, right? And, and I, I checked it out. It's not ARM. It's literally ARM. Um, they've agreed to a deal that's going to extend past 2040. The deal, you know, I don't know all the details with what that is. I couldn't find a whole lot of, uh, of details on it. But um, it ensures Apple is uh, going to base all of their iPhone and Mac, uh, the chips that run those systems, on the ARM architecture uh, literally for, for decades to come, right? Um, and ARM has a huge investment uh, through SoftBank, um, and uh, they're about to do an IPO. They think it's going to be about $52 billion. You know, IPOs that don't have a B behind it don't really wow. make the news anymore, Pete. But, um, um, and so here's this um, association investment with Apple, who is the, you know, the darling in technology, um, uh, striking this deal with ARM, 
Uh, the one thing, Pete, that I didn't understand, I thought our manufactured chips, but they are just the term used with an architect or a designer. And then they kind of say, come one, come all, who wants to manufacture a chip? So you got chip makers that are now involved. You got Apple that's kind of leading the pack. And, uh, you know, their chips are all designed. Um, yes, for the iPhone. Yes, for the iPad. Yes, for um, the, the watch. But it's all related to AI and who's going to position themselves to really find that next step. And the funny thing is, or not the funny thing, the interesting thing is that everybody's trying to figure out how is AI gonna work in our daily life? How is it gonna improve this? And there's lots of uh, discussion out there of how it will or what the potential is. But Apple has really positioned themselves to uh, uh, align with one of the major companies that is going to be uh, a player uh, in chips that are designed to be manufactured uh, for artificial intelligence and, and where that goes. So uh, that's a big baller move that just transpired. It'll be interesting to see. And I would imagine the IPO for ARM is going to exceed $52 billion because of, uh, of the hype, right? It may skyrocket and then, and then come back down, but SoftBank's in a good position. Apple's in a good position. Um, Financially, everybody's going to make a lot of money, and uh, and ARM will continue to set uh, um, uh, set the path forward with artificial intelligence. Uh, and Invita, that's another one that's coming around. I think they actually were trying, and I may not be pronouncing this this correctly, um, but um, I think they tried to acquire ARM like uh, 18 months ago, or back in the 2020s, and regulatory issues killed that deal. But anyway, there's a lot of movement in the chips, the architectural design. Of the technology that's going to really drive uh, artificial intelligence in the near term. That is uh, incredible. I mean, can you imagine you're going to go into an IPO and before you do that, you make an announcement like, oh, yeah, you got a, a 20 plus year deal with Apple. <laughs> yeah. You're you're just going to print money. Uh, and I know Apple's making some pretty big changes to uh, they're, they've, they've got this virtual reality, augmented reality lenses that are coming out and say what you will uh, about the application of those, but it's not for us. It's not for our generation, Doug. It's for the people younger than us that are pretty excited about that and the gaming that comes with it and applicability in everyday life. Um, I, that, that's just such a big win, um, something for us to watch. And the way that chips are going and what's next with quantum computing and all the things like that that are happening. Um, what an absolutely incredible masterstroke for that company to have pulled off. Mm -hmm. uh, incredible. And plus in the pandemic, what happened post pandemic, chips are still very much in everyone's mind with the issues that are going on between the US and China to have made such a long term agreement with a company like that. Like you said, baller move and Apple's going to Apple. They're just they're going to win. They're just yeah. going to win, man. And to have the money and the clout to be able to make a move like that. Talk about putting confidence in a company. Way, way to go, man. Good for them. Yeah. yeah. And and for those, Pete, before we switch over to your last topic, uh, NVIDIA. I don't know if I pronounced NVIDIA. that correctly, yeah. but NVIDIA. somebody's going to get pissed off that I mispronounced <laughs> <laughs> NVIDIA. That's, uh, that's the group. So anyway. And we work at Transformation. We can't be right about everything. Yeah. True, true. All right. Wrap this up. Well, I. I I'm going to go the opposite of confidence and talk about a lack of confidence. Uh, big, big piece of news hit the world on Wednesday of last week. I was at the Ebbets Grill um, having drinks with some uh, government types and uh, my lawyer, actually. 
and um, Flexport. You know I hate them. Oh, I'm not a big fan at all. Uh, but I've got some, you know, I've got some some uh, sympathy for some things that happened there last week. The CEO of the company was clearly asked to step down. He had been in the job, I believe, for a bit over a year and had made some real eye-opening moves for Flexport, such as, you know, buying platform sites of Shopify and expanding on the e-commerce. He was an Amazonian. He brought in some of his fellow Amazonian folks in a, um, in a move where they had been doing a, a lot of uh, strategic maneuvers to really shore up the e-commerce space. Um, Flexboard has done an excellent job of trying to get that small to mid-market piece, folks that want to hand over a lot of the responsibility to a freight forwarder um, and really rely on technology. I've said it before, say it again. Flexport is not doing anything any other forwarder has not or will not do just marketing themselves and the technology uh, in and of itself is backed up by people that are doing the grunt work behind the scenes to make sure that it runs smoothly there are people that are making sure that mistakes the technology is making are being covered up by individuals behind a keyboard clickety clacking someday they'll catch up with it but are they really a forwarder are they a technology company i don't know uh if you're going to call yourself a forwarder, you better learn how to move cargo first. And I don't think they've figured that out yet. So according to a lot of news stories, they're uh, allegedly worth around $8 billion. Good for them. Um, but Ryan Peterson, the original CEO, has stepped back into place. And the reason I brought them up this week is uh, he went on Twitter and said, we have a bunch of people that are going to be starting. We're supposed to start in a few days. I got to let you know, we're not going to honor those offer letters. Someone from HR will reach out to you in the coming days and, and let you know that that's not the case. Um, there had to be a better way to do that, man. There had to be a better way to do that. Mm -hmm. I understand that it's a techie world and you guys are a San Francisco based company, but come on. They're people. These are people. This is a people business for all the technology and for all the marketing that we do, you're your reputation in this business and you're the people who work for you. And technology fails. People get it with cyber attacks, systems fall apart. Weather, as we were talking about, wrecks your ability to actually deliver stuff on time. Government stop shipments, customers come and go. But the people that work for you and how you treat them that's what makes your people stay. That's what makes your customers stay. And if that's how you treat the people who are going to come work for you, I shudder to think how you actually treat your customers. And that was not a cool move, man. And you're not cool. You're chilly. You're chilly. Yeah. Well, um, what you just said was a little toned down from our conversation pre-show. So uh, you did a very hey, well Listen, Ryan, uh, Ryan. Ryan, you've got my number. You know where I work. And my email is pete.mento at dsv.com. You tell me where you want to meet. I'll come talk to you anytime, bro. I'll come talk to you anytime. You want to come out to Jersey? You want to come to Boston? You want to meet with the Harvard Club? I mean, I know you got a lot of folks that work at Harvard. So they probably have memberships too. They might let you in. And we can sit down and we can have a talk face to face. I'll tell you exactly what I think about your business. And we can sit down and we can have a chat. 
Yeah. I'll give you I'll give you some tips. You need them. Yeah. And we can talk about what's going on with Flexport. But until you guys learn how to move freight, I'm not impressed. Yeah. Let's get it on. <laughs> I'm going to take I'm going to take the conversation back before you get all frothy uh, if you haven't haven't already. So, um, two comments on that. One, when everybody during the pandemic and everybody uh, would come to me and say, "Well, hey, you know, when when did you um, how often did you go in the office and and, uh, and and how did you fare working remotely? And I'm like, listen, you can't virtually ship a box. You can't virtually move things into a grocery store or a big box store for other people to use. So answer your question, zero. I didn't take any days off. I was in the warehouse. I was assisting as needed. Um, so my point is that the technology didn't enable a box to be shipped, right? There's still tangible things. Um, and so that, that, that's, that's the one piece is there's a lot of technology you can overlay, which certainly has value. I'm not as fired up at Flexport as others on this, uh, this podcast, but, um, that's what it is. It's technology to help. But when you get down to it, it's still guys and gals moving stuff through the system. You can't virtually ship a box. Right. And the other piece is that our, our industry is so decentralized, right? There's still people out there that could give a rip about um, visibility of a truck when you're trying to move things from A to B. There's drayage men and dray companies in California that operate three or four trucks, maybe 10 trucks. That guy and that, the owner and that gal could give two you-know-whats about tracking their truck in order to see visibility, to push it up to some technology piece so some guy in a suit in Chicago can get visibility. That, that company is just trying to pay the bills. They're just trying to keep their trucks on the road and dealing with regulations and, and, and insurance and things of that nature. So as much as people think you drop some technology into our industry, yes, it has value. Yes, it increases visibility, but we are incredibly decentralized. There's lots of little mom and pops out there that are making things move through the system that are unheralded and, and do a lot more than you think. And just to simply dump technology onto that group uh, is, um, is is not going to be welcoming in some instances. So I, I don't have a beef with Flexport, uh, but I think they're more of a, a technology play than actually changing the paradigm of how uh, freight forwarding operates because you still need people, you still need trucks, and you can't virtually ship a box. And all of that is paramount to make the system work. You know what, man? It, I, I don't know what they are. And I don't think they know what they are right now. And I think that's why Ryan had to step back in because they – we're going in a direction that was a little farther away from what they wanted to become. And there's nothing in the world like uh, Bronx Tale, right? There's nothing in the world worse than wasted potential. You put all that money into creating some new technological direction and then you veer off of it. Decide what you're going to become. But if you're going to say that you're a freight forwarder, become one. If you're going to have a jet that you lease, make sure it's packed full of freight. And when it's going to go someplace, make damn sure it gets where it's going to go full of cargo and it gets delivered the way it's supposed to. I'm just, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm tired of people saying they're going to change this industry when this industry with multi-billion dollar companies is constantly evolving already. Just, you know, don't believe the hype, man. Well, you know what people can believe? is in this show, Pete, they can believe the hype of Global Trade this week. That's the transition I was looking for. I'm not sure how well I did, but unfortunately, this episode is coming to a close. Um, you in Edison, myself out in Fresno, uh, we can't thank our viewers enough for listening. 
a couple old, old guys kicking off the show talking about weather that just sets the uh that sets the tone so thank you cap logistics thank you keenan pete have a great day i wish i could be out there to, to hear uh, uh hear your discussion today over lunch but good luck and we'll see our audience next week on another edition of global trade this week see peace you see you buddy